Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 55. This is your brain on gratitude. We are broadcasting live. Well, live for us, Jesse, from the Power of Change Worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. How are you doing today, my friend? Good, good. Glad to be here in the show. You know, it's hot outside. I know. And it's not as cold in here as it usually is. Yeah, which means it's like... Really comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> to just, wear it. You don't have to bring layers to come to the shed quarters. You know what I think it is? It's my domain where I don't have to fight with my wife about the air conditioner. <laughs> so I just make it like a 55. frozen tundra. This you got to keep, you got to take care of these books. Yeah, that's, that's right. what it is. Humidity levels right. have to be appropriately attended to. Well, I feel that. Jesse, we just finished up our second year of the Gospel Underground wow. podcast. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Feels like yesterday we were mm. learning to plug stuff in and record mm. and do all the stuff that we You do. have advanced far beyond that. I'm still learning to plug things up. Well, you were a sound guy for a church plant. Uh, yeah, previous. but you know when you if you church planters out there know that that <laughs> you just have to have a pulse. And yeah. You have to have a willingness to show up. That slider I goes up. Yeah. That slider goes down. Second year, <laughs> and this is fun. I don't, I don't ever give out Except to you. That's right. I think you're the only person I give out actual numbers to. But our RSS feed with people hitting it, right? That means people accessing the podcast. And some say this is not listeners. Uh, is up 224% year over year in the last year alone. So thank you guys out yeah, there listening in listening. on the Gospel Underground. You are growing us into an underground behemoth. You never mention the numbers. I do all the time. <laughs> do you really? Only when, people? only when people are expressing doubt at me being a legitimate person. They're like, your mother listens to I that? Have, I have dozens of listeners out there. Yeah. No, no. I don't do that. Part of the interesting thing that we deal with is a dynamic. We, as you heard last time, Underground Virtue, we really yeah. do believe there is a value to not seeking to be known or to be famous or things like that. And so to want to get something out to people that's helpful, but without self-promoting is yeah. always a tricky, <laughs> a tricky trick to do. But we want to say thank you after second year, you guys listening on your commutes, on your jogs, or just when you're cutting the grass or feeding a baby. Uh, thank you. We do really pray often that the things we talk about will help equip one another, ourselves included, because doing this, we actually hopefully grow ourselves. Right, Jesse? That's right. Yeah, man. Uh, so that we might be an effective uh, group of people loving the world and seeking to help the church be more effective in them borderlands. Hey, Amen. I had a, I had a funny, <laughs> I haven't told you this, Reed. I ran into a, a friend of mine, and you may be listening now, friend, uh, so I, I won't call you out. But anonymous friend. Anonymous friend. I ran into him at a, at a coffee shop. I didn't know he listened. And so he said, hey, have you, been, have you listened to this, uh, to the Gospel Underground? And I was like, yeah, I listened to it. He asked you that? Yeah, and he said, yeah, I was listening to it with my wife. And um, it was really funny. And, you know, it's the guy Reed from Blacksburg, and Jesse does it. And, and I was, like, sitting there thinking, Bro, I'm Jesse. I'm I'm the guy. I was like, yeah, I'm and I'm he, on the podcast. And he was like, oh yeah. No, he, he forgot who I was. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, you were a blessing to him, yeah. and he didn't yeah. even know. <laughs> and and he was a blessing to me. You know? Do yeah, I know this fun. guy? No. Oh, no. good. I would I would like to. <laughs> I would like to make contact if uh, I did know him. Well, you guys know here on the Underground, we usually have a main topic or a few segments that we do often, review-ish, in or out. We like to have a little fun. One of the segments we haven't done in a while, Jesse, is our ruts and butts and butt segment. That's right. Ridiculous things under the sun and beautiful things under the sun. The phrase under the sun comes from the uh, Old Testament wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes, where under the sun refers to this present age now on the earth. And there are some 
ridiculous things that I t- typically find that I want to go uh, become a professor of rantology about. And then I, <laughs> I reached out to Jesse this week to provide some beautiful things. I guess my life just didn't have much beauty to That's it. That's okay. I got some beauty. <laughs> okay. Ridiculous things. Uh, NPR uh, ran an article that was entitled More States Opting to Robo-Grade Student Essays by Computer. Now, Think about this for a second, friends. We all know we've probably filled out a Scantron sheet with a number two pencil. This goes way back, right? So you can grade a multiple choice test very quickly, efficiently, and judge the competence, bare facts, knowledge of a person. Well, essays have been different. And so, well, we have researchers, Jesse, that have been working on computer-graded essays. Now, no. if this wants to make your head explode, we'll do that in a moment. But let me read a little bit out of this NPR piece. This is a scholar, um, Peter Foltz at the University of Colorado Boulder. I've been working on this now for 25 years, and I feel that the time is right and it's really starting to be used now. Peter Foltz, professor of research, professor of Boulder, Colorado. He is vice president for research for Pearson, the company whose automated scoring program graded, now listen to this, 34 no. million student essays on state and national high-stakes tests this past year. Now, I'm wondering why some my daughter's SAT essays were graded the way they were, because it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe this is why. There will always be people who don't trust it, but we're seeing a lot more breakthroughs in areas like content understanding and AI, artificial intelligence, is now being able to do things it couldn't do really well before. Fultz goes on to say, computers learn what is considered good writing by analyzing essays graded by humans. Then automated programs score essays for themselves by scanning for those same human-identified features. We have artificial intelligence techniques which can judge anywhere from 50 to 100 features, Foles says. That includes not only basics like spelling and grammar, which is very easy for a computer to do, by the way, uh, but also whether a student is on topic, the coherence and flow of an argument, and the complexity of word choice and sentence structure. We've done a number of studies to show that the scoring can be highly accurate. Here's the ridiculous, ridiculous. thing for me, Jesse. Highly accurate. <laughs> the, the, what does that even mean for an essay? What it means is that high-end essays right, match, because computers match patterns. That's all they do. They're pattern-matching algorithms. They just say, this was a previously high-scoring essay. Well, this new essay matches certain features of that, so we'll also score this essay high. Now, I want to ask you a question, Jesse, for, before I get very angry about this ridiculousness. Why do we write essays? If I were just to ask you that, why do human persons write an essay? Can you think of any reasons? Okay, to uh, to make an argument and persuade someone. Yep, yep, persuade. Um, to uh, to uncover something and provide new understanding. Yep, teach, educate, perhaps. Yeah, to uh, let's see, inform to, people. Inf- yeah, it, to to show something beautiful, good, and true. Yeah, um, yeah, to entertain people. Yeah, to challenge people. Maybe to, to touch people's hearts. Yes. Yeah, to make people feel something. <laughs> yeah, move them. Yeah. Um, to communicate, uh, perhaps. You, you mm. Now, what on earth does this have to do with a software robot? Absolutely nothing, friends. Essays, right? I'd like to see you wrestle a robot. <laughs> I want to wrestle a robot right now. <laughs> Essays that are written never to be experienced by anyone, right? What an empty world. What a ridiculous world. This is lazy. 
it very much defeats the purpose of writing. What's the point of it? It's it's basically you write for no reason. But you, is, why are you learning to write? The point of the point of having the robo uh, graders is just to save it's so on, people don't have to do it. it. Okay, yeah, That's stupid. yeah, yeah. It defeats it defeats the purpose of reading. It defeats the purpose of education because essays are written to be read by people. To do stuff to people, to persuade, challenge, entertain, inform, encourage, all those things. Think about think about what this does for essay writers as far as na- now originality is no longer a yeah, good thing. Exactly. Because what you want to do is figure out the way to You to can get only into the pattern match right. to something that's been graded it's, it's high stupid. in the past. It templatizes that which should be one of our most wonderful gifts to each other. So why do we even want kids to learn to write well? So a robot can read it? No, friends. Why not be human? Well, that question brings me to my second ridiculous thing, Jesse. Why went, not be you, human? You went on a on a deep dive into oh ridiculousness. My gosh. Here James we go. Lovelock wrote an article called Cyborgs Will Replace Humans and Remake the World. Good James Lord. Lovelock. He has no lock on love, if you ask me. Uh, why does he want us all gone? This is an article... Uh, from NBC News Science Department that says this, Lovelock describes cyborgs as self-sufficient, self-aware descendants of today's robots and artificial intelligence systems. He calls the looming error of their dominance the Nova scene. Sounds like the Nova Corps to me. Literally, the new, new age. He believes the rise of technology through an evolutionary lens in keeping with decades of research about biology, he thinks that we will see a unique species emerge. Uh, Now, his conclusions, Jesse, frustrate me. He says this. Perhaps these cyborgs of the Novacene will eventually make contact with other cyborgs from other planets as well. As Seth uh, Shostak, an astronomer and SETI Institute uh, scientist, says, I think it is most likely that advanced intelligence around the universe is synthetic, not biological. Now, the article concludes, if this strikes you as a grim scenario, you're not thinking like Lovelock. You don't have the lock on love. I'm now past 100, and to have an optimistic view is the only thing worth having. He says, humans have had a great run on Earth, he writes, before we bow out. And by out, Jesse, he means not in or out. He means gone. We're engaged in one of the most noblest things that we could do. We are now preparing to hand the gift of knowing on to new forms of intelligent beings. So I guess the gift of knowing is the only thing that matters. So knowing things will get rid of us. We will get rid of ourselves. So who needs essays, Jesse? (laughs) Ridiculous, ridiculous. This, this dude's a hundred years old. He's a hundred years old. He's also the guy that came up with the Gaia hypothesis years ago that the whole Earth was one living organism. So he's a little bit weird. Where do you find these? But technology. There's a guy. I, I read. I read in these areas of what people out there in the borderlands are thinking, Jesse. Thank and you. And sometimes I get frustrated because look, I'm all for technology. We have it all around us right now. I've said this a hundred times. Yeah. But yep. we're for a human future where these tools make human life, human flourishing better, not get rid of the reason we write, and certainly not get rid of ourselves. Ridiculous, Jesse. Please give me something beautiful to think about. Well, I would like to see a cyborg call a game. <laughs> call a game. Call oh, a game. The like way a that sports, Char- like yeah, a sports game. the way that Charlie Slows called this game. Now, before you get started, uh, let me set the stage, okay? I, 
I'm a Washington Nationals fan. Is that a uh, soccer team? This is the ma- <laughs> this is ma- <laughs> Major League Baseball. I'm okay, sorry, baseball people. <laughs> And I, I knew that I was just yeah, messing around. Sure, surely there are some Mets fans listening in, especially <laughs> with uh, your background up in the in the New York metro area. And so, I, with apologies to Mets fans, I think anyone w- will find Charlie Slow's call of this game beautiful. Now, let's set, set the stage. The Nationals have are, are on a tremendous tear, best run of really the history of the team over the last couple of months. Like right now, right now, wow. right now. Uh, but they they still have a historically bad bullpen, and so they give away a lot of leads. The uh, last night they were uh, going into the top of the ninth inning down by one, and the Mets scored five runs to go up six. So going into the bottom of the ninth inning, they're down, down six. six. They this is the, the the first time in I think it's fifty five years a team has given up five runs in the top of the ninth to be down by six and come back to win. Now here's the call. By Charlie Slows. Park. Here's the set. Three to the Suzuki. Swung out. And deep to left field. Way back. Going. Going. It's gone. Goodbye. Game over. Kurt Suzuki has done it again. Bang. Zoom goes Suzuki. It's one of the wins of the year. How about that? If you How walk beautiful down, is that? You, blew, a, you blew it. A, a robot. You know, well, someday a robot will be able to express accurately. that emotion accurately. Kurt Suzuki hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That was beautiful. What a moment of beauty in baseball. Amen. All right. So, hey, we've got, we got a fun one today. We did Underground Virtue last time around, and it looks like Looks like you got something lined up for us over these next few episodes, right? I do. I think we're going to live around this kind of idea of virtue and vice for a few episodes at least here on the underground because obviously the development of virtue, right, and the uh, leaving behind or putting to death various vices Vices, in our character would be uh, what we call prudent, right, wise to do. And so um, now I want to start this, our main topic. Our main topic today is this is your brain on gratitude. Now, Jesse, you are old enough. You just I had do. a birthday. How old are you? Turned twenty-seven. I, I, <laughs> I turned thirty-nine. You're just still, a few days I, ago. I was I'm still in my thirties, bro. I was wondering if you were forty yeah, this no, year. I'm Not still quite. young, young puppy. But I, but I'm old enough to remember this public service yeah, announcement, the PSA commercial. Uh, uh, this is your brain. Let's listen to it. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? <laughs> right, so some of you who grew up in the 80s will see someone, you know, cracking an egg, this is your brain, putting in a skillet, this is your brain, brain on, on drugs. drugs. Well, rather than drugs, there is actually something, according to recent holistic neuroscientific research, Jesse, 
that says we need to get our brains hopped up on. This was from Inc.com, Inc.com. It was a summary of various research articles, and the, and the article was entitled this, Neuroscience says your body and mind get stronger when you focus on one thing. The article reads this way, the research is clear. You can improve. That's a good line to have in anything in your life, right? Yeah. You can be better. You can improve your physical and mental health by thinking this more frequently. Most people realize the body and mind are connected into a feedback loop. Even Christian believers, we believe the body and soul are a psychosomatic, right? Unity. A healthy mind and healthy body go together. One of my mentors, Dr. Greg Allison, uh, teaches a whole class at a graduate level about a Christian view of the body and taking care mm. of the body and this unity that we see. So this is why psychologists and physicians recommend, you know, eating well, regular exercise for, you know, mental health, even improvement. So neuroscientists, however, recommend a different approach because they know that a body centric lifestyle changes putting away chicken wings, for instance, are difficult to maintain. They recommend starting with the mind and they've identified one thought that when regularly focused on this thought is most likely to propel your mind and body into an upward spiral rather than your brain being on drugs you need another thought in that brain and the thought that the research has shown is this gratitude being thankful so i'm going to hit the top six points in this article you can read it we'll put it in the show notes for you but journal of uh, personality and social psychology gratitude makes you more likely to exercise According to the National Center of Biotechnology and Information, um, gratitude reduces human stress levels. According to the University of Manchester, something that was published in the Journey, uh, Journal of Psychosomatic Research, gratitude improves quality of sleep. You can, you'd like to have more sleep, right, Jesse? I would. According to studies in the Journal of Research and Personality, Gratitude increases your emotional well-being, less likely you have negative thoughts, suicide, etc. And according to research conducted at Massachusetts General Hospital, gratitude makes your heart stronger and healthier. And then according to a Wharton Business School study, gratitude makes someone a more effective leader. So this is your brain. Mm. This is you on gratitude. Now, Obviously, these are all kinds of sorts of scientific journals and business studies, but they're hitting on this central trend that there is what we might say, I think might prove here, is a virtue, right? The gratitude makes a human being in almost every measurable way, right? Uh, better off, right? An upward spiral of life. So again, one of the things about modern life is we we love to prove things scientifically, uh, well, we've proven that forgiveness therapy works in relationships. You'll read stuff like that. Like, really? For thousands of years, we've known that forgiveness is key to human relationships. So why, why are we doing research on this? So you might think, right, that gratitude, uh, it makes sense that this is such a human virtue. But when you think about it, the worldview I grew up with, right, that human beings are the long end of a mechanistic evolutionary process uh, that goes back to a primordial soup of chemicals and organic chemicals becoming organic chemicals and ending up with people like Jesse. Uh, and even further back that the universe exploded into being from nothing by nothing with no purpose. You wonder why gratitude would be mm. so central to existence because in that narrative, that worldview doesn't make any sense why gratitude should be so central. But if we ask the question from a perspective of maybe a created world, 
a created human being, uh, gratitude starts to make much more sense as a human being. Now, yeah, yeah gratitude does seem to necessitate receiving, uh, and, and even the idea that there's gift involved, that, uh, uh, I'm grateful for something that came to me, something that it, it was, is given a certain givenness to, to yeah. things. It, and, it, and I didn't think about that, but it doesn't make sense. Uh, apart from receiving. Right. And, and, and this may seem trivial or assumed, but acknowledging or knowing that yeah. you are receiving. Yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah. My own experience after becoming a Christian changed radically and, and, and particularly related to being thankful because we do have a holiday um, in America, right? Thanksgiving, which is very controversial because it involves proclamations by presidents long ago. I think Abraham Lincoln perhaps did the first Thanksgiving proclamation. But before that, you, when I grew up in school, you discussed Thanksgiving, which is very controversial now because of colonialism and understanding of the first Americans and the Americans that were here right before them. Nobody talks about the troglobites that were there before that, but um, we'll talk about it another time. But somebody's here. More people came here from a different place, colonialism. How how should we view, say, the first Thanksgiving or the survival of the European colonists uh, through certain New England winters? So you go through that in school, and like as a kid, I'm like, wow, what are we thankful for? And I remember, we're thankful for the pilgrims, or we're thankful for the Native Americans. And and it never occurred to me like that the those people, both together actually, uh, gathered to thank God. God, right? And so becoming a Christian, I was like, wow, Thanksgiving. I heard a pastor say that Thanksgiving is the most uniquely Christian holiday, right? Because others were borrowed from whatever. Uh, being thankful, right? Um, man, it changed that holiday for me as a person. I ain't even remember taking communion uh, for the first time. By the way, don't, I mean, if your church does communion in these like mech communion glasses that have like uh, plastic vial cellophane wrapper you can throw them around throw them in your back seat man like get some bread and some some wine or juice if you have to do juice because of whatever um but communion for me for the first time as a christian i started thinking wow what is going on here uh but giving thanks right or experiencing relational life together with god in giving thanks. In fact, the word um, sometimes thrown around, certainly in Roman Catholic circles yeah. for uh, communion, is the Eucharist, right? Um, true story, Jesse. Years ago when we were planting Jacob's Well in New Jersey, I guess I guess some church was spying on us. I didn't know because there was the emerging church stuff going on, and we were Acts 29, and we were supposed to be edgy or whatever. I didn't even know this, right? And another church heard, I don't know how they heard, that I use the term Eucharist to describe what we're about to do uh, in communion. And, and another pastor from that church said, Ooh, you're in trouble. I'm like, what are you even, t- I don't even know you people. What are you talking about? And apparently the use of the word Eucharist was offensive to them, I guess in their worldview or theological view. And I was like, you know what the Greek term for to give thanks is? Right. <laughs> Eucharisteo. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason we call it the Eucharist. Right. It's not some word that the, indicates Ro- some... Roman Catholics yeah. didn't make that up in the no, 14th it, Exactly. 15th it wasn't medieval Roman yeah. Catholicism at the Council of Constance yeah. after they burned somebody or had <laughs> prostitutes or something. No, the Eucharist. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, a, it's a, a New Testament word, right, um, that's very important. 
um, to what it means to be a human being. So when we look at all this research that shows us, right, uh, all these benefits holistically to mind and body, uh, suke, the soul, soma, the body, psychosomatic unity that is a human being, um, as a Christian, we are not shocked by this. But does it really fit with this accidental universe mm-hmm. where, as Richard Dawkins once says, we just dance to our DNA? Or does it fit better in a world created by a person, maybe even gifted to people, mm-hmm. so that we would be receiving something and then, of course, knowing that we've received it? One of the passages of Scripture in the in the New Testament that my family has very much used often. We used to do this thing when our kids were little. Um, we, we were too hither and yon running fast these days to do this as much. But when they were little, we did it all the time. We almost had dinner together every night before kids were in school and things. And um, we used to do something called family prayer where I wanted more than anything for our kids to understand that suffering, difficulty, struggle, uh, was a normal part of life in a fallen world, both where there are ridiculous and beautiful things under the sun. And so uh, the text in First Thessalonians 5 says this, 16 through 24, Rejoice always, and these are fast commands, imperatives, right? These are things we, we ought to do. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things, or some translations, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and and we used to base our family prayer around that so we'd all go around the table and say hey i want everybody to list something that we're thankful for that we can actually thank god for that is positive encouraging a blessing something we would perceive as good right to our lives and so like oh yeah i got an a in spelling or or we got a new podcasting uh amp microphone filter mm-hmm. we're really excited right? <laughs> or, or and then we all had to go around jesse and say and this is something that's hard difficult something i don't like that's happened in my life or my story and we'd write them all down usually kayla would serve as some sort of uh, scribe for the family and we'd literally pray a prayer of thanksgiving to someone right for those things and so Eucharist, the taking of communion, we thank God for the body and blood of Jesus being sacrificed, body broken, blood shed for us to establish a relationship with us, the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, And then we pray in all circumstances and we give thanks. And this is what God wants, right? This is what God wants. And so um, we're going to close today with some suggested practices for how to be thankful. Um, and, and Jesse, I'm going to share a few, but do you have yeah. any things that help you remember or to be thankful uh, in your life or your family life or where you just say, Hey man, here's how I got to remember because obviously it's good for our body and mind. Yeah. Too. Yeah. That's so uh, a couple things came to mind. Read one was you've already brought it up, but in the, in, in our weekly practice of communion at Valley Bible church, uh, we, we typically create a little bit of space for you to pray either alone with your family, uh, with friends. And so it's our regular practice for Jenny and I to pray together. And if we have kids with us, we'll pray with them too. And, um, you know, uh, I probably grew up thinking of that prayer time more about confessing of sins uh-huh. before taking the body and the blood. And you grew up Catholic. I grew up Roman Catholic. Yeah. 
And uh, it's been a big shift for me to think about that time more in terms of giving thanks. And so, um, so that prayer time most weeks is a time where I'm thankful, not just, so I'm, I'm sure to be thankful for the body and, and blood right. broken and shed, gift, given yeah. and received, uh, but also just whatever comes to mind, you know, yeah. like yeah. I, instead of, instead of uh, pouring through my week to find things to confess that just in case maybe God you hasn't forgiven me or I, I missed yeah. something, I'm pouring through my mind to think about uh, what 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 can we be thankful for this week? Yeah, amen. Um, one of yeah. the, the one of the most important practices, if if you guys are you know in a place where you could write something down or take a note here, um, the most important practice for me is to remember who we are thanking. Right. Yeah. Um, and then maybe you're out there listening and you're not a Christian or you're not sure where you stand in terms of your own belief in whether God exists or not, whether you're an agnostic or an atheist. Uh, but I want you to think a little bit about this uh, idea of gratitude being good for us and, and making sense for us. Think for a second who you are thanking. Um, some some might say, well, I'm thanking the universe. The universe, you see this in movies and yeah. pop cultural now, like, Oh, the universe has been kind to me. The universe like, wanted us to get together. Yes, it's like uh, sliding doors, these kind of ideas yeah. that fate or some impersonal reality. But if the universe is really what we're to be thankful to, um, how do you thank a universe? Um, now, I'm, I'm my background is in physics, uh, so I'm thinking what a universe is, a set of uh, constants and interactive physical laws that define a certain <laughs> reality for existence of matter space time. How do I thank that? Or, or <laughs> that would be fun to work that into dialogue for a oh, movie. Oh, thank you for the upward spin of the electron <laughs> <laughs> and for the quantum coupling that took place when I <laughs> got up this morning, right? Or does it make more sense to thank a person? Now, let me let me give you an example, guys, if you're listening out there. Giving good gifts to your kids, right? Um, one of the things I love to do is I like to give my kids stuff. I, uh, maybe it's because I like material things too much. Maybe it's because I love them a lot. It's fine. You're it's fine. fine. Okay, so recently I wanted to make sure that my kids, they're all teenagers, they're all athletes, had a really good a pair of wireless Bluetooth workout headphones. Now, the good thing about these products is they've been out for a couple years, and when the new ones come out, usually on places like Amazon.com, the old ones drop radically. So what was once $249 would be like 80 bucks. So, you know, I got some of these original Beats wireless headphones for all three of my kids. When I give that to them, right, I say, hey, Kyleen, here's some headphones you've been wanting. I bought, actually, I got her some uh, Bose ones with freaking flyer miles. Got those for free. And I said, hey, Kyleen, here's some headphones. Now, now, if she were to stop and say, thank the universe <laughs> for these headphones, right? The universe has been kind to me. Yeah, the universe <laughs> has been kind to me as these Bose wireless waterproof headphones have landed upon me. Um how do I feel with that if one of my mm. kids were to do that? Now, look, I don't give gifts to my kids in order to be thanked, right? I give gifts to my kids because I love them. Um, the gratitude expresses a relational enjoyment. Now, here's the beauty of this, that both the giver and the receiver enjoy together. Now, think about life itself being a gift, existence being a gift, being that we're created by God. Now, God doesn't need me to say, oh, God, thank you 
that I exist and I'm feeling a happy thought today. But when I do, when I pause small as I am in small circumstances, maybe even at a meal, Lord, thank you that I have enough money to buy these burritos for my family. God, I believe, because he loves us, right? He's given us life and breath and everything else. Uh, experience relational enjoyment with us. And we both, uh, the giver and the receiver, experience that together. And that the key to understanding even all of reality is pro- profoundly relational. And that gratitude makes a whole lot of sense, both for us and God in this circumstance. So if you start with that question, am I thanking the the pilgrims at Thanksgiving? Am I thanking the universe for headphones? Am I thanking the universe that I met you? Or am I thankful to a person who's given us all things, life and breath and everything else? So if you start there, that's the best practice, I think, for thank- thankfulness is say, who am I thanking here? Um, and, and look, if you're just like, well, I better be thankful. So my, my stress levels will go down. You'll probably be stressed out. But so suggested prizes, who you're thankful, start there. Um, being thankful at meals. It's a profound thing. We die without food, drink to be thankful there, not as a trite, simple ritual, ritualistic thing, but to truly be thankful, uh, for God giving us daily bread. You mentioned thankful at communion, thankful with your family, uh, a, a culture of gratitude in the home, I think is really good for, Children. One thing this article in Inc.com did mention was people that kept a thankful journal. Hmm. Um, and I think that's a wonderful practice. Are you a journal guy? Have you ever been a journaler or tried? Uh, or? Uh, I tried. Do you have friends that, that are big journalers? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, I keep a notebook, but it's not like a journal of personal thoughts. It's more of just uh, action items, yeah, like, yeah. like a moleskin kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I've never been a journal journaler. Me neither. Uh, but when I read this, write, writing down things that I've been thankful for, I could imagine how, if you were Wouldn't it be nice to look back? <laughs> yes. 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 Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it's part of, uh, we'd have to see if that's part of our DNA to be a journaling yeah, person or not. Right, but yeah. there's some people who do it. They love it. So if you if you can pull off writing in a leather bound thing or on your phone or an Evernote file, however you could do it, notebook. Um, I think it'd be a really good yeah. practice. I don't think I'll ever be a journaler, but those out there feel better about yourself right now. And so all of these ways bound up in an expression, maybe call worship, uh, to include our thankfulness in our worship to God. Any other thoughts, Jesse, that you have about gratitude? Yeah, well, it makes sense. And, it, and, and one thing that struck me as you were talking, Reed, is the idea that uh, God is, is, uh, he's a blessing God, right? So from the beginning, when he creates humankind as recorded in Genesis, uh, he blesses them. And then even if you think about it, he, he creates them and then gives them a day off, yeah. uh, you know, to start, there's this sense that he's giving good gifts and right. he, he's a, every good gift comes from, from a good father from above. Uh, and so it, gratitude it it like clo- it it completes the giving of the gift right yeah. so th- so that idea of participating with god and and the enjoyment is the uh the the the, the culmination the completion of yeah. the of the blessing of god the together and we get to participate with that yeah, yeah. W- one of the thing that i do is uh uh semi regularly uh, i attempt it regularly i get up very early and go on sh- a short prayer walk in my neighborhood mm. Uh, in that prayer walk, I typically am almost only just expressing thankfulness, um, you know, just looking around and, and just oftentimes I'm still so tired that it's like groggy yeah, prayer, but yeah. it's kind of just like, God, 
Thank you that I can breathe. Yeah. Thank you that I can walk. Hey, there's a there's a reality, friends. You may think uh, out there that you're more kind of naturally happy in your disposition. And some of you, I would even say sometimes I'm this way. I'm more cynical yeah. about life. And so cynicism, negative thoughts, complaining, uh, always being a critic, you know, these things, I don't have the research in front of me. I bet these things contribute to kind of more of a negative disposition and mental health, bad uh, sleep, life. Stress, yeah, bad sleep, stress, right, yeah. right. Here's the beauty of gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude actually elbows out these other things. Mm. Cause it's very hard to complain, right? About something when you're thanking God for something, it's very hard Amen. to like reject your spouse and want to kick her to the curb. If you pause to say, God, thank you for this gift to me that is my husband, uh, even though he's he's watching the Washington Nationals, won't pay attention to me, whatever it might be. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you would never do that. Um, yeah, gratitude pushes out and leaves less room in the soul, right, for cynicism, critique, and negativity. Well, final thing, Jesse, one of the things that's very hard, I think, for all of us, Human beings, no matter where you're coming from and where you live in the borderlands between church and culture, maybe you're outside of believing in God, maybe you've been a believer for a long time, all of us struggle to give thanks when pain and difficulty and suffering comes to us, right? None of us say, oh, tomorrow I want to wake up and have a really bad disease or, oh, could somebody in my life that I love just die, right? None of these things. We don't choose them. In fact, we have really little control over many of these things. Um, but here's the challenge. Um, you know, the book of Job in the Old Testament, the wisdom literature that speaks to us about suffering, acknowledges that even in some mysterious way, God, right, who is the good giver, the lover, the, the kind creator, is sovereign over even the difficult things that he allows into our own story. So, guy like Job says that you, you give, you take away, right? Uh, but yet his heart, right, he wants to say, blessed be the name of the yeah. Lord. Um, shall we not receive good as well as hard things from God? He even said to his own wife, this is a hard discipline. But I even do think in the moments that are most difficult, most painful, most excruciatingly, confusingly suffering filled, when we can stop and be thankful even then, the gratitude that we can express and the grace we can receive from God elbows out some of the more difficult moments. God will help us through the storm, even in the midst of that, by calling us to himself and realizing every good gift comes down from the Father of lights who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. His heart is for us, friends. Come to know him. If you're out there not sure, give thanks today. Just reach out, see if God might find you. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. We're taking reviews on iTunes. We still accept five stars there, friends. Please hit that up. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up here, maybe about virtue and vice in the next few weeks, to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. Peace.